Now back to Sports 56 Mornings. Good morning. On Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Here once again, Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy. Welcome back, everyone. 9.03 the time. Final hour for us today. Final hour for us this week. Yes, we're going to be getting ready for the weekend in about an hour. You guys are just getting ready to start your Friday. But the weekend is upon us. Today, it's... The start of March. March Madness is also upon us. It's the Friday, March 1st, 2024 edition of the program. Greg Aston, Eli Savoy, Zach Boyd with you. Broadcasting live from the Family Leisure Studios. Family Leisure, where family and fun come together. 2120 Witten Road, just north of I-40. Currently 43 degrees. We're looking at a high of 54 today. Cloudy skies. I think the rain has passed through the area, got some overnight precipitation. 44 is the high, or make that the low for tonight, so not too bad, but we will have some patchy fog, so be careful driving around the area. Tomorrow looks to be pretty nice, nearing 70, partly sunny skies, and even better for your Sunday, 77 degrees under partly cloudy skies before the rain rolls in early next week. Stadiums, stadiums, and stadiums. That has been a topic of discussion for us here on this show, and for everybody in this city for a while now, talking about what's going to happen originally with the former mayor, Jim Strickland's plans with uh, stadiums and the states participating and giving, allocating money to uh, the projects. And some of the projects certainly um, are greenlit, others are not. But then the whole situation with FedEx Forum and the Grizzlies. So it gets a little complicated. That's why I bring on a guy who's more intelligent than I am. He's a Absolutely terrific writer for the Daily Memphian. He covers government and enterprise. We've had him on before. He's Sam Hardiman. You can follow him on Twitter at Sam Hardiman, who joins us now on Sports 56 Mornings. How are you, Sam? Greg, I, you're, you're, you're denigrating yourself and complimenting my intelligence. So it's very <laughs> nice of you, but I don't, know if that, I don't know if that's true, man. Well, I think it is in a lot of areas because you, you are good at what you do, Sam, and we, we really appreciate you joining us. It gets a little complicated sometimes, and, and you decipher it nicely in your latest story at the Daily Memphian on FedEx Forum. We'll start there with that situation. So right now, do the Grizzly are the Grizzlies set with their plan on what they exactly want to happen as far as renovations, and do they know the roundabout cost of what they need? Um, I think that's a good question. I, I, I'm i going to be like purposely vague in my answer here. I think that what we can safely say is that um, the young administration, um, the Harris administration, because Shelby County is involved here, and the Grizzlies um, are looking for five are looking at five hundred million plus worth of work to FedEx Forum. Okay, mm-hmm. I do not know enough to know, and I don't think very many people do, um, at least publicly, to um, how broad that scope of work is. Right, like like blueprint wise, I, I don't have great ideas here. Okay. What I think we can safely say is that there is significant work done on financing $500 million worth of work to FedEx Forum, like very probably close to the finish line there, relatively. And it becomes, as you agree to that scope of work, right? Because of your local government, you're not doing that just out of the goodness of your heart, um, is what does the second lease 
um, at FedEx Forum look like, mm-hmm. right? And I think that is more of where we are. I would say it is probably likely that in terms of how this goes, you know, there. for example, we report on the Daily Memphian. I mean, you can read this story out of the Daily Memphian. Is right now, that there's going to be some work done this summer on FedEx Forum. Okay, the sound system will be replaced. The roof rigging, which is essential for concerts, as you know, Greg, mm-hmm. um, will be replaced this summer. They're taking bids on that now. That is work that, you know, in a renovated stadium would be done. This isn't going to be replaced, right? Right. And you're not going to replace the sound system and rigging now and then renovate the place and have <laughs> to replace it again, right? So because there is still a search for further public financing towards the $500 million, Right, the city and the county of using the sports authority as a governmental mechanism appear to sort of be operating and going forward with things we can do now, and then with the potential for the major renovations. Really, we're talking in the summer of twenty five. Beginning is there any chance of getting more money from the state? Yeah, so we reported that in my story, and and there is hope. For that, I would say last year at in the General Assembly, um, the Strickland administration, because it was Memphis Mayor Jim Strickland at the time asking for this money, got almost all of what they wanted from the state of Tennessee. What they did not get at the time was a the ability to raise a uh, local hotel motel tax, uh, be the cities in this case, one um, percent, um, city and county that combined one percent, I believe. And that would allow um, for further taxpayer revenue here um, to go to this project. Um, that has that last year didn't get anywhere. They faced some deadlines coming up this week. If a caption bill, like essentially there are dummy bills, if if you think about this at the legislature, that have words in them that don't that aren't going to be what actually the words of the law when it's introduced and voted on is going to be. Mm-hmm. And so when you're, when you're seeking things at the legislature, you sort of have, you know, you're working with a, with a member of the general assembly who has a dummy bill, a, a caption bill is what they're called. And then at the last minute, that thing gets amended and what you're really seeking becomes clear. And so they face kind of a key deadline this upcoming week of whether or not they're going to move forward on one of their caption bills, a couple of their different caption bills that they could ask for this on. Um, but it really depends, I think, if, if they think that's a viable option. Otherwise, they're going to have to look elsewhere, uh, maybe locally or, or maybe some other revenue sources. Yeah. So and, and, but if it's money, so you're talking if it's money from the state, it's going to be through this. It's not like the, the state gave it that three hundred and fifty right, yeah, million. Dollars. So, yeah. No more of just here. Here's a chunk of money. No, no. And, and, and no, absolutely. Probably not. Right. Okay. It was not in the governor's budget. Um, you know, it doesn't appear that it's going to be added through the legislature to the budget. Like last year, people you know, really have to understand like $350 million from the state of Tennessee in cash. This wasn't an ability to borrow. It was mm-hmm. cash that is generating interest at the tune of $1 million a month in a city bank account right now, right? Which is mm-hmm. not insignificant. That That is unheard of, really. Yeah. Like very, I mean, it is, it is a unheard of in the state of Tennessee. I mean, it is very similar to what has taken place really throughout the past year in states across the country with, with some of these big major league stadium projects, right? Like mm-hmm. it, Tennessee essentially gave a taxpayer contribution that is very similar to several other projects nationwide. 
And that's that's what you're looking at from the state. And the state also passed a bunch of laws last year that enable the mm-hmm. the revenue streams that pay the current FedEx Forum's debt to be carried forward into the 2050. That would also pay for FedEx Forum renovations. So we're really talking about it, it to help people conceptualize it. And I'm sorry for getting so deep in the weeds here. But we're talking about like how to find essentially $500 million when you're maybe around in the high fours right now. Like That's what we're really talking about. We're talking about a very small gap. Yeah. If anything, today I've learned what a caption bill is from Sam. So I got yeah, that going for myself. I don't know how that's happening. <laughs> All right. So the new mayor, Mayor Paul Young, who's still getting his feet wet. And, boy, I like what he's doing so far early um, in his tenure. But he had uh, some things to say about the situation, and you um, have that in your story about this. So, so Paul, it doesn't seem like he is phased too much that he thinks everything will will be fine in the end, correct? Yeah, I mean, the mayor is, is very, like, calm and cool, I would say. You know, Mayor Young, that, that's, like, his, his demeanor. And, and, you know, when I asked him, I, you know, he wasn't incredibly eager to talk about it because, like, they, they have tried to play this pretty low-key. Mm-hmm. Um, both administrations, the Strickland administration, now the Young administration. But, uh, you know, he answered the questions, you know, very honestly, I thought. And he, um, yeah, he, he doesn't seem, this is his background. He was the CEO of the Downtown Memphis Commission, right? And so he has worked on very large deals, you know, that involve a significant amount of public financing before. And so he's very comfortable with that. And, and I think he has come to it with different eyes than the, uh, the Strickland administration did, which, you know, did almost a lot of the work to get this really to the, you know, where we are today. Right. 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 And, and so it, I think because, you know, just as humans, because all that work that like, there was a lot more, I think, urgency and coming into this. And right now, like, I think all parties are sort of looking at this with the, this could be a long haul, you know, it could be, but we're going to kind of diligently work at it. And I think that's the sort of change because you no longer have the end of an administration, you know, staring you down. The and obviously the you know you're talking about him and what his and then you got Jason Wexler with the Grizzlies who certainly has a background in these types of projects and stuff like that too. But do you, is it your belief or understanding? You said that that would be the work you know they're doing that rigging the sound system all that stuff here, but the other stuff would be I guess after next season. Yeah, that's most so, likely right. Like it. Right, like one of the things people got to keep in mind to get back in the financial weeds here is you, you're going to have to issue bonds for this project at some point. You're going to have to like actually issue debt, and those those funding streams that passed last year and any other ones you get will pay that debt. And so the city at this point is not really in a position to issue debt, or or the county, the sports authority, like they haven't really, they're not at the place where they're ready to do that. So you can't really close on a large. It would be difficult to close on a large construction like loan like work without having like showing the means and you have cash on hand from the state, but to get before in the weeds, like it really like it, it sort of has elongated the process. Everything that has gone on in the past year in terms of the search for money, the Smith family stepping up and sort of breaking that log jam, right? Like because that took all of 2023, it really sort of changed the timeline from really starting heavy work in 2024 at FedEx forum to really probably 2025. Well, that's, that's just the way it's changed. Yeah, because but yeah, the original plan was to try and do it this coming summer, right? Right. 
Because right. if you look at the FedEx Forum calendar of events, you'll notice there is a massive gap in this summer. That there's, right. They have nothing scheduled for June, June July, August, September right well, they're now. They're going to have to start scheduling. Forum. They're going to have to start scheduling if this thing's going to be delayed. And, you know, speaking of, of delays, and I know you've uh, also written about the situation at Simmons Bank Liberty Stadium, and right now it's kind of a waiting uh, situation for everybody uh, because they have not broke ground or not. there's no bulldozers or dump trucks or anything over there yet. We know that they are trying, and I'm talking about uh, the University of Memphis, is trying to match that $50 million gift from the Smith family. They are fundraising and they feel confident they'll do so, but you know, doing, wanting to do so and thinking they'll do so and doing so are different things. Now, as far as starting that renovation, not knowing with the exact amount of money that they will have, Sam, is that going to be a problem or are they going to be able to do it? And are you hearing, is, is it going to be anytime soon? Because originally it was supposed to be ready to go uh, and completed by the start of the 25 college football season. And now, according to Laird Veach, who was on with us, I don't know, several weeks ago, saying that it will absolutely go into that season. Yeah, so uh, so first, I, no, I just want to address delays of both, like the perception of delays of both. I think, like, absolutely, given timelines that we earlier had, we can call these things delayed, right? Both of these projects delayed, but I, but I would also caution anyone thinking about them of like, oh, it's delayed, it's it's being botched. I, it's yeah. it's more of like this is there's some complexity here, and what is really the deadline, right? Like the Grizzlies lease is up at the end of twenty eight twenty nine, right? We're still very far away from that. And with the U of M, what is the actual deadline, right? There there really isn't one that I've you know heard enunciated. I mean, you want to do things fast because you want to have full revenue at a renovated football stadium as soon as possible. Definitely. Right. Right. But like, but like at the same time, like these are complicated things and it, in these projects were these two projects we're talking about were coupled for a long time. They're finally decoupled. And so, I mean that now they can actually move ahead. It really seems. And so, you know, I don't know where they are on the fundraising. You know, that's not really my, you know, bailiwick of reporting. Um, what I can tell you today is the university of Memphis, and you'll see a short story on the daily Memphian shortly about this university of Memphis doesn't actually own the stadium. It cleared the Memphis City Council in January, but essentially lawyers from the city and the U of M are still going back and forth here. And that's not uncommon. I mean, this is two governments, respectfully, doing business with one another. It's not exactly going to be fast. And so, and, and at the same time, to your point, Greg, they have to raise this money. And so, I, I what I would say is, like, we're just sort of in this, like, holding pattern of really big construction projects taking a long time. Mm-hmm. And I think probably listeners and fans probably kind of get ready for that, you know, like like mentally, like this isn't going to be super duper smooth. Well, let me let me say this: yeah. as long yeah. as long as it gets done, you know, delays happen in life. That's that's fine as long as it gets done. But I do remember this, Sam, and it was on one of your stories uh, when you were talking about the stadium, uh, Simmons Bank Liberty Stadium. Didn't Fred originally Fred Smith give a um, a time deadline. It was December 31st, if I'm not mistaken, to for the city to hand over the stadium to the university. And now we got back and forth. Is that just commonplace, or has he extended his? You know, this is to give the 50 million dollars. He had that deadline originally in place. I don't have any reporting at this time that indicates like I think that deadline. You know, we reported it at the time, but I think that deadline. You know, pretty quickly. You know, moved. 
Right. It seems like like the, because of the fluidity of the passage and process, right? Like it, it was not a line in the sand, so to speak. Okay. Um, and, and, and so I, I think right now, like this is pretty normal. Like the city, you know, you'll see my story today. Like the city is saying like, this is just the process. Okay. And like, I think everyone should, in, unless I hear differently and like, it's definitely worth checking for sure. But like everything I'm hearing right now just indicates this is, this is normal. Like, two, like I said, two governments working together respectfully to the people in government, but it's not an exactly like mm-hmm. super speed. You know, <laughs> and and like and that's not because people aren't doing their jobs. They just also have like, you know, the University of Memphis case is a school to run and this in the city's case, it's the city to run. You know, like it, it's very important. Like and, and this is something I like. I'm not trying to belittle the stadium projects here because they are very important to this community. But like we're talking about sports stadiums, right? Yeah. There's a lot of other stuff that the University oh, of Memphis is doing mm-hmm. and a lot of the other stuff the city of Memphis has to do for citizens that, you know, on a daily basis is more urban, right? Absolutely. Well, and the other thing too is like you, you get kind of, you get one chance here. You don't want to screw the, like you got to get this right. <laughs> you don't, well, you can't, you're not going to turn around in three years and say, you know what? Yeah, we screwed up. We're going to re, we're going to do some of that stuff over again. Like yeah. you, you got to make sure you're getting all of this correct. And like I said, the bottom line is if it gets done, if there's delays, that's fine. Grizzlies aren't going anywhere. That's great, right? That's all we care about is that they're happy and the university's got their new renovated stadium. And if it takes a little bit longer than first thought, that's fine. The only thing that I bring, the only reason I bring this up, Sam, is because originally they had said that there would be construction started as soon as the AutoZone Liberty Bowl game was done. Yeah. And here yeah, we are now in March. And, and, I, and, I, and I think, like, and I've said this elsewhere, and, and I, you know, but like saying it here, right, is, is like, remember all that was going on when they said, construction was going to start right mm-hmm. they, they, they didn't have the money yet right. at, at, at the time it wasn't clear that there was a plan to actually give any money to the university of memphis for simmons bank liberty stadium in the strickland administration right like they were nego- like from my reporting you can read this at the daily memphian like there were intensive negotiations going on about the procedure of this late into november right and there were days I was hearing as a reporter that, like, it wasn't going to go ahead in the Strickland years, okay? And so, like, th- there was this urgency from the University of Memphis that we need to go, go, go. And that was before they had, you know, legal right to ownership of the property, which they have now. Right. And an agreement for the $120 million and a path to getting the rest, you know? And, and so, like, that urgency was because of the political situation they were in, I would I would hazard to say. And, and now, like, to Eli's point, you actually only get to do this once. So you're going to do it right. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and because you no longer, like, you legally have right to own the Liberty Bowl. You don't own it yet, right? I'm sorry for missing up the naming rights there. But, like, <laughs> you, you, you don't own the thing yet, but you have legal right to it. You have legal right to $120 million in cash, right? You're, you've had, you know, a billionaire, you know, pledge $50 million, and you're seeking $50 million more. Like, the University of Memphis, you're actually in a very good situation and, and just slow your feet, you know, so to speak, if you're like, like you're playing sports, you know, having good solid footwork, so slow your feet on this. It makes a lot of sense. And I, I don't see a lot of alarm. I sound like such a company, man. Simmons Bank, AutoZone. It's, it's ingrained in my head to say those sponsors. He is Sam Hardiman, Daily Memphian government and enterprise reporter. What a terrific job he does. And he's got this new story he just talked about that will be dropping soon at the Daily Memphian. Follow him on Twitter at Sam Hardiman. Always a pleasure, Sam. Thank you so much. Thanks, Greg. Take care. Take care.
Folks, when it comes to to guns, whether you're looking for a new gun, for maybe for self-defense, maybe for hunting, whatever. Maybe you're looking for used guns. Maybe you're trying to, uh, to get rid of a gun. Well, the folks at Classic Arms, they will, of course, sell you guns. They've got new and they've got used guns. They will also buy and they will also trade guns. They do it all at Classic Arms. It is the place to go when it comes to guns, ammo, all of the accessories, all of the supplies, everything you need. Classic Arms has you taken care of. You can find them at 1740. 40 Germantown Parkway. It's in the shopping center right behind the Corkies there on Germantown Parkway. You can also find them online and shop 24-7 at ClassicArmsOfMemphis.com. They do free gun inspections. They'll do free gun appraisals as well. They are the only gun importer in the Mid-South. They've got all of the top names, all of those names like Glock and Sig and Colt and Smith and Wesson, Browning, Beretta, whatever, all of it. They've got them for you. They've got over 700 firearms in stock. They have it all at Classic Arms. Again, 1740 Germantown Parkway or online at ClassicArmsOfMemphis.com. All right, I know there are some folks that wanted to talk about the Tigers. If you want to talk Tigers and their 82-58 win over East Carolina and their game Sunday against UAB, 360-8255. That's 901-360-8255. Give us your thoughts via a phone call or a text. That's the Sports 56 listener lines. And then in our final segment, we'll play 10 in a row, the game show that has swept the nation. Still going to give you a chance to win a couple of tickets to see the Grizzlies tomorrow night against Portland. You're tuned into Sports 56 Mornings with Greg and Eli on Real Sports Talk, Sports 56, 98.5 FM. Be sure to follow us at Sports 56 WHBQ on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube to watch live video of our shows, stay up to date with station events, and have chances to win prizes. Don't miss out on anything that's going on. Follow us at Sports 56 WHBQ. Now back to Sports 56 Mornings. Good morning. On Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Here once again, Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy. Welcome back, everyone. 928 is the time. we got 10 in a row coming up in just a few minutes. But right now, we want to get back into some Tigers discussion. If you want to chime in, get your thoughts on the air, you can at 901-360-8255. I know we had some callers earlier that wanted to uh, chime in, but uh, we were we were uh, busy with guests, and obviously we're not going to uh, we're going to change that up. But when we when we have excuse me open segments, certainly you're entitled. We'd love to hear from you at 360-8255. You can text in at that same lo- uh, number 901-360-8255. All right, so the Tigers last night, as I mentioned earlier. With the win, they went from 81 to 72 in Ken Palm. They went from 79 to 72 in the net. So they take a you know, fairly good jump from the uh, net, from seven spots in the net, for winning a game because it was on the road against a team in East Carolina that is, you know, average to below average. They're not bad at home, and in the conference they were 500. But the Tigers, for the third straight game. Played extremely well, and especially on defense. Yeah, they gave up offensive rebounds. Uh, there were times that um, you know they they had some bad passes in the first half. They were a little over anxious, but the fast break for the most part, pushing it down the court, playing the way they wanted to play, which is speeding up East Carolina. It worked. I thought they communicated extremely well defensively on their switches. 
You saw guys switch over and, and, and take the open man. It wasn't like it's been in the past where guys have been absolutely wide open. And I brought it up with Matt Dillon for the Tiger Basketball Report, whether or not it's a coincidence or is there something to it that the defense and the communication with this team has been better without Malcolm Dandridge. Now, with Malcolm, you lose a big physical guy. And against UAB on Sunday and against Florida Atlantic next Saturday, as we know, with Golden going 9-for-9 nine nine in the game last Sunday, they need a guy like that. But if they don't have him, and right now I can't imagine that they will, although no information has been released yet on the situation with Malcolm Dandridge, I think that the team is flowing better without him, to be honest with you. Got a text uh, from Ken. Says congratulations to the Tigers. Penley, Penny has finally listened about the substitution, but he did look like he reverted back, and it scared the hell out of me. Love the game. If Penny would listen and could go far with this lineup, love the point guard cue. Well, we saw a couple of things. We saw the return of Jalen Young, who played a little bit, and we saw Jordan Brown. Jordan Brown, one of the biggest mysteries in college basketball this season. The whole deal, obviously leaving the team, coming back to the team, that just added to the drama. But a guy whose credentials were amazing, and that's why Memphis went out and got Jordan Brown. At Arizona first, then Louisiana, the accolades that came along with his play. You watch him play and you wonder, is he just, is he out of shape? I mean, it looks like he can't jump over a phone book. He missed several bunnies in the game last night. But then again, he also had, on a brilliant pass from, I don't know if it was Quinterly or actually Jourdain, it might have been Quinterly, on that uh, bounce pass down the middle where he dunked towards the end of the game. He had a little fallaway shot in the lane that went, but he missed a couple of bunnies at the rim. He only had one rebound. He didn't play a ton of minutes, but if Jordan Brown can give you eight minutes off the bench and play a little bit more physical, but that doesn't seem to be in his DNA that he could play physical ball. If he can, as big as he is, as massive as he is, that's going to help the Tigers Sunday, next Saturday, in the conference tournament, and who knows, if they make the NCAA tournament, playing a big team that will help, especially if you don't get Malco back. Uh, but to the to the point of the texture, yeah, but he is. There was only two guys off the bench last night that played double digit minutes. Um, you had Jones and Quinterly who played uh, Jones nearly thirty five minutes. Quinterly over thirty four minutes. Tomlin played over thirty minutes. So, yes, Penny has um, Penny has done a much better job of limiting the rotation. Um, here in in recent games, and that obviously is at a blowout victory last night. Um, Drew says uh, FAU is winless when Golden scores twenty or more. You can let him get his. Uh, that he also throws in that Jordan Brown is the worst basketball player I have ever seen. Wow, that's a bold statement. Underwhelming. I'm going to guess, statement I'm gonna that guess I you've use. seen worse basketball players. <laughs> yes. I'm just assuming. I, I will assume yeah. that you have seen worse basketball players. Um, but yeah, the minute the minutes look, Penny, he understands where his bread is buttered, so he's got to roll with these guys, and and he needs to roll with these guys. But also, really nice to see this added bonus of Joe Cooper. He had a couple of bad passes. He had a couple of turnovers. 
but some really nice passes. He goes in and rebounds. Joe Cooper is perfect to give JQ a spell, a little bit of rest on the bench, and then get him back in. So it's nice to see Cooper, especially with Jalen Young being out, but then Young returned yesterday. Um, on the point about Florida Atlantic, uh, that is it is not that is not completely accurate. Uh but it is interesting when you look at it. Uh, but they did win, for instance, the SMU game uh, that they won uh, right before the Memphis game last week. Uh, Golden scored 21 in that game, and they won. He also had 20 in the Wichita State game they won. But if you do look at it, the their last two losses, the Memphis game and the South Florida game, he had 22 and 23. Uh, they, when they lost to Florida Gulf Coast, he had 21 in that one. When they lost to Illinois, he had 23 in that one. So they do have, they have four losses. Uh, they are two and four um, on the season when he scores 20 or more. Um, so, yes, I mean, the, the, the point of, you know, letting him go off isn't necessarily the worst thing in the world. Because, again, if he's going off, that means they're not making a bunch of threes, which they are more than capable of doing. Well, yeah, but certainly they can they can do both. They can dominate inside, and then Davis and the guys can go off from three. And they kept Davis in check until late in the game in which they won last Sunday. So they certainly want production from Golden, but Florida Atlantic needs to hit those outside shots. And when they have that combination, they're pretty tough to beat. Dale is dialed in at 360-8255 on the Tigers. Hi, Dale. Hey, good morning. Um, this is, you know, last night it was good to see him actually share the ball, uh, and again, I hope clearly understands you don't have to score for this team to win. Right. Because if you just get them in the right place, and and that's what I think has partially been missing in the games that they lost. But you know, honestly, this seems to be the least athletic team overall that Kenny's had since he's been here. We just look slow, a step slow every time. And going forward, I, 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 this is driving me crazy, so I just want to throw it out. Going back to the 80s with Dana Kirk, who I think was probably one of the best coaches ever at Memphis, mm-hmm. they were getting ready to play Oklahoma with a top five, top ten with Wayman Tisdale. And Jack Eaton, they said, how are you going to beat him? He said, well, Wayman Tisdale's going to get his. He's an All-American. He's going to get his. we got to make sure everybody else don't. Yes. And that's what the Tigers seems to, you know, you, they come in here, oh, this guy's only taking five threes, and that gummy hits four or five against us. Or this guy's, you know, hasn't hit one in 18, his last 18, he's over eight, and he hits four against we got to make sure that everybody else doesn't get theirs. Because if you look at Naquan Tomlin, when Memphis played FAU, uh, David Jones, he got his. He got 25. But Naquan, who usually averages like 14, got 21. Mm-hmm. You take that, you, if they had held him to his average, we get beat. So if everybody else, which we might uh, match up more physically or better with, you know, their two, three, their two, their second, third, and fourth option, if we can hold them from getting their average, well, I mean, you know, we would be undefeated right now. Thank you, Dale. Well, not undefeated, but you know what I mean. You no, know, absolutely. There's four or five it's, games that we would have won. Absolutely. Got you, Dale. Appreciate the phone call. No, it's the old adage, right? If they have one star and he's going to get his, you got to hold the other guys in check. The problem is when you have two or three really capable players, um, then what do you do? You got to pick your poison, and that's not the easiest thing to do. Tony is next. Hi, Tony. Hey, good morning, guys. How good you morning. Doing? Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, you know, I, I thought it was a, a pretty executed game, especially in the second half. I mean, both teams struggled, I think, with like the first five minutes, even scoring 10 points. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I, I, you know, biggest problem with the Tigers is 
when they try to trap up top and they get caught. They get caught either some, with the spacing problem they have, not rushing to somebody else on the three-point line mm-hmm. or somebody rotating to get the easy lay-in on them. You know, and uh, like I said, they, their feet work is terrible sometimes guarding the man. Side by side. Especially, and I, I like Nick Jordan. Don't get me wrong. Some of his defense sometimes. But now, he has surprised me in, I think, three games where he can recover and block shots from distance. Uh, on guys, I've seen him do that in three games. So you know, sometimes it's a plus for some guys, but he is his worst defensive team. But they are clicking now, and hopefully they can stay. If they can win out, they beat um, Florida Atlantic on the road. They're going to be back close to the bubble again. So you know, they just got to keep winning, win big as you can right now. Because obviously, with the net, but I agree with you, Greg. Something you said earlier, I think it's very dumb. But, I mean, it's the NCAA, they little tape measure. But I think Penny's done a very good job rallying this team back together because he could have easily lost this team after that Texas trip. No question, Tony. Thank you, my friend. Appreciate the phone call. No question he could have lost this team. And we'll see if it uh, continues. I feel really good about Sunday. Um, I, I think it'll be tough to win down. They win down in Florida Atlantic, as Tony said. You get into the conference tournament, they're going to get themselves at least back into the conversation. Still on the outside, don't get me wrong, but at least closer to being bubblicious. One of the best things that's happened here in the past year was the arrival of Genesis Diamonds. They have been a game changer in the jewelry business here in Memphis since they came to town. Women here wearing bigger, better quality diamonds, some amazing diamond rings, uh, designer rings, and that's all thanks to the arrival of Genesis Diamonds. Rock bottom prices on diamonds, a selection that's like 20 times your ordinary store. Designer rings you can't find anywhere else, guarantees and warranties that are the strongest around, and a relaxed, no-pressure, late back experience with no commissioned salespeople. That's what you're finding, and that's what many people have found at Genesis Diamonds. If you haven't been there yet, if you're looking to buy jewelry, don't buy anything until you see Genesis Diamonds. Whether you're looking for a lab-grown or natural diamond, they'll easily beat anyone else's prices. Genesis has cornered the market on the world's most acclaimed diner rings as, uh, designer rings as well. Check them out. Genesis Diamonds, Poplar and Perkins Extended, prepare to be blown away by Genesis Diamonds. 10 in a row is next. You can jump on the Sports 56 listener lines if you'd like to participate. 901-360-8255. This is Sports 56 Mornings with Greg and Eli on Real Sports Talk, Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. We are Real Sports Talk. Sports 56 WHBQ. Available on your radio dial at 560 AM and 98.5 FM as well as around the world online at sports56whbq.com. Take us with you everywhere by downloading the Sports 56 app. And at home, just say, Alexa, play Sports 56. Wherever you are, stay tuned in to Real Sports Talk. Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Now back to Sports 56 Mornings. Morning. On Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Here once again, Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy. It is now March. That means Easter is right around the corner. The 31st of March is Easter Sunday. And, of course, uh, candy. Candy. Candy goes along with Easter. The Easter Bunny, right? The Easter Bunny always delivers. And where does the Easter Bunny get? 
his or her, I'm not sure if it's a female or a male, but where do they get their candy from? Dinstals, fine candies and chocolates. They've been doing it for over 120 years. Strawberry season is here. Fresh strawberries dipped in the special sugar fondant, then enrobed in that rich milk chocolate. Nobody dips them like Dinstals. They also have the chocolate-covered grapes, the chocolate-covered pineapples. But for all their great chocolates and candies for Easter for any time, think Dinstals, the cashew crunch, the chocolate-covered pretzels, the turtlelets, out of this world. Five locations, Laurelwood, Germantown, Collierville, Pleasant View, or downtown Memphis. You can also ship these candies and chocolates anywhere in the country. Just call in your order or head on over to any of those locations. Dinstals, they've been saying I love you for over 122 years. Time now for 10 in a row. Not five, not six, not seven, not eight, not nine, but ten in a row. It's the game show that has swept the nation. It's ten in a row. 360-8255-901, 360-8255 if you'd like to participate. What are the folks playing for today? We've got a $50 gift certificate to 117 Prime, great steakhouse downtown. We got a $25 gift certificate to Ferraro's Pizza in the Pinch District. Got a couple of Malco movie passes and a free haircut at Supercuts. All right, here's the question. It's not easy. Arenas that have hosted the most men's basketball NCAA tournament games in history. Arenas that have hosted the most men's basketball NCAA tournament games. I'll give you the name of the arena. I'll give you the city. That may uh, help you out as well in trying to get 10 in a row. 360-8255. That's 901-360-8255. Don't be shy. Come on up and give it a try. All right. Leading us off will be Joe. Hey, Joe. Who else but Joe? Hey, guys. Is hey, this Joe. like including first four, final four? What are we? Yes, yes. First four is included in this. That's actually a good question. So all games in the NCAA Ooh. tournament, okay? Arenas that have hosted the most men's basketball NCAA tournament games. The Honda Center, Anaheim. No. Little Caesars Arena, Detroit. No, that's a football stadium. Municipal Stadium, Kansas City, Missouri. Yes, long time ago. Charlotte Coliseum, Charlotte, North Carolina. That's a tough one. I'm going to say no on Charlotte. 360-8255. I thought Joe would nail that one. I thought that one was the easy one. Charlotte. So many games in Charlotte, uh, also in Greensboro. 360-8255, wide open lines. Right now, if you'd like to play, tough for question, tough to look it up. I understand that, but give it a try. Don't be afraid. Arenas that have hosted the most men's basketball NCAA tournament games. In the history of the NCAA tournament. And Joe was, I mean, he got it right, but Little Caesars Arena is not a football arena. No. It's, it's, just a, it's no. a new arena. Now, Little Caesars where the where the Red Wings play. Right? Pistons? Mm-hmm. Do the Red Wings play in that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I thought. They've had so many stadiums and arenas in that area. Have they not? I remember growing up. Are they all still standing? Kobo Arena was where the Pistons played when I was young. I didn't go there, but just I knew they played at Kobo Arena. I believe Kobo Arena still exists. When I went to Detroit, it was still there. Then they had, after Kobo Arena, didn't they play for a little bit in the Silverdome? Like like one season basketball? Seriously. like Maybe I'm wrong about that. They, they played, of course, in Auburn Hills. Right? Mm-hmm. That was the new arena. And then that's gone. I don't know if that was knocked down or not. 
and now they have uh, Little Caesars. All right, 360-8255, arenas that have hosted the most men's basketball NCAA tournament games. Who's next? Next is George. Hey, George. Let's try it. Hi, right, George. Madison Square Garden, New York. Yes. Gimme right there. McNichol Sports Arena, Denver. No. Amway Arena, Orlando. No. Greensboro Coliseum, Greensboro, North Carolina. Yes. Capital One Arena, D.C. No. RCA Dome, Indianapolis. Yes. McHale Center, Tucson. Yes. RCA Dome, I said it twice, but I'll give it to you. RCA Dome, Indianapolis. Yes. Freedom Hall, Louisville, Kentucky. No. Oh, 360-8255. I thought he had it. Oh, George, good run. Who's next? Next will be another Joe. Hey, Joe. Hey, Joe. Hey, how y'all doing? Doing well. Honda Center, Anaheim. Yes. 360-8255. So I'm stuck. I'm not going to go back and change. You're going to get two RCA domes. The next person that calls in is already up to uh, number nine, thanks to George. 360-8255. Arenas that have hosted the most men's basketball NCAA tournament games. Jack is next. Hey, Jack. What's up, Jack? Come on, guys. Madison Square Garden, New York. Yes. McNichol Sports Arena, Denver. No. Amway Arena, Orlando. No. Greensboro Coliseum, Greensboro, North Carolina. Yes. Capital One Arena, D.C. No. RCA Dome, Indianapolis. Yes. McHale Center, Tucson, Arizona. Yes. Again, the RCA Dome. Freedom Hall, Louisville, Kentucky. Yes. TD Garden, Boston, Mass. No. Winner. Well done. You can thank George a little bit too, Jack. <laughs> Good job. I remember U.S. Reed hitting the half-court shot. Oh, over there at look at that. That's absolutely right. Good job, Jack. Congratulations. Congratulations, Jack. Hold on and Zach will take care of you. All right, Eli. First list, Honda Center, Anaheim. No. Little Caesars Arena, Detroit. No. Municipal Stadium, Kansas City. Yes. Charlotte Coliseum, Charlotte. Yes. American Airlines Center, Dallas. I'll go no. John Huntsman Center, Salt Lake City. No. That's a yes. Omni, the old Omni, Atlanta, Georgia. Sure. Yes, you are correct, sir. Wells Fargo Arena, Philly. Uh, No. Dayton Arena, another gimme. Dayton, Ohio. Yes. And another gimme. FedEx Forum, Memphis. I'm going to go no on that one. You did well. You did well. That's 10 in a row. Congratulations to Jack this week. Speaking of FedEx Forum, tonight the Grizzlies will be in action at FedEx Forum. Tomorrow night the Grizzlies will be in action at FedEx Forum. Tomorrow night, uh, both games will be against the Portland Trailblazers. Tomorrow night, again, they will be giving away these beautiful Joe Lyon shirts, which I am modeling today. I'll tell you, this might be my favorite giveaway the Grizzlies have ever done. This thing's comfortable. Good-looking shirt. This This is a shirt I might actually wear. And am I crazy though? They gave a Stephen Adams one I have away, no right? Idea. Yeah, I, I have that one, and that's comfortable as hell too. So I would imagine this one is. Um, if you want to go to the game tomorrow night, got a pair of tickets. This is for tomorrow night's game, not tonight. Tomorrow night, got a pair of tickets for the Grizzlies and the Blazers. Caller number five. Caller number five. 
360-8255. Caller number five will get the two tickets. And if you're one of the first 3,000 to arrive at the game tomorrow night, well, then you'll get the shirt as well. Caller number five, 360-8255 for two tickets for tomorrow night's Grizzlies game against the Portland Trail Blazers. All right, I'm trying to put, maybe you'll have better luck. I don't know. The internet goes down always in the 9 o'clock hour for some reason. But I'm trying to pick, um, figure out the American Conference schedule for this weekend and who the Tigers fans should be rooting for if the Tigers are to somehow get into the top four and get that double bye. So what's the weekend schedule for the American, if you can find that? It is... Uh, Tulane's at Florida Atlantic. Okay, so Tol- you got you're rooting you're rooting for Tulane to pull off the big upset. Tulsa's at Temple. Okay, UTSA's at SMU. UTSA pulling off an upset would help. South Florida's at Charlotte. So what? So in that situation, you're rooting for South Florida. They've already clinched. You can't catch them. You want them to knock off Charlotte. Uh, and then Rice, Wichita State, East Carolina, North Texas. So some games of importance when it comes to the Tigers. Of course, so the Tigers have the only Tigers in UAB, the only Sunday game in the American. No, there's another one. There's the East Carolina North Texas. Okay, game is on Sunday. So get your tickets today. Get your <laughs> get your tickets today. SEC. All the games are on Saturday. You have a battle of ranked teams in Florida and South Carolina. That's number twenty four at number eighteen. Kentucky hosts Arkansas. LSU at Vanderbilt, Mississippi State at Auburn, Texas A&M at Georgia, and the big showdown on the hill, number four, Tennessee, number four, no, it's actually in Tuscaloosa, my mistake, number 14, Alabama hosting number four, Tennessee, and then Ole Miss with a must win in Columbia against the Missouri Tigers who are winless in conference play. Yeah, certainly Tennessee-Alabama, huge game. I think that that Florida-South Carolina game, interesting game, should be a good game, that's a big game. Um, for teams as they try to pr- improve kind of their seating and, and situation. Kansas-Baylor nationally in the Big 12, huge game there um, as well. So some good good stuff coming up as we get down to the final couple of weekends now of the regular season. Moving, folks, if you got a move coming up, whether it be moving to a new home, whether maybe you're moving to a new office, the whole process of moving, that's a lot of stress, a lot of worry, a lot of things that you have to deal with. Well, You want to first start with getting the people to help you, the right people, and that's not your lazy friends. It's the professionals. Get the professionals on your side. Black Tie Moving. Give them a call. Go to the website. Talk to the folks at Black Tie Moving. They work with you coming up with a plan, fitting your needs and fitting your budget. That's the important part of this, taking a lot of the stress and worry out of it when you've got the professionals. Black Tie Moving, all you got to do, 901 316-6196, 901-316-6196, 316-6196, 901-316-6196, or you could go to blacktiemoving.com slash Memphis. You can talk with them. They'll come up with that plan. They'll give you a no-obligation quote up front so you don't know exactly what it's going to cost as well. The best in the business. They've got five-star ratings all over online. They've got A-plus with the Better Business Bureau. They're the best you can find. Black Tie Moving. I saw where uh, Coy McKinstry from the University of Alabama has an injury. I'm not sure if that'll affect his draft status, but he's at the Combine. Also, Caleb uh, Williams is at the Combine to uh, do some interviews. I don't think he's going to go through um, any of the physical um, 
measurements and things of that nature, if I'm not mistaken. Either him or, or Daniels it was announced. I think it's Caleb Williams that isn't going to go through that. But uh, Kool-Aid McKinstry has a Jones fracture in his right foot discovered by the doctors during the medical evaluations at the Combine. That's why some of these players who are projected to be as high as Williams, which is number one, they don't go through these things. Now, I wonder if the teams have, if, if they don't get them at the Combine, can they get them before the actual draft to come in and do that? Um, if you're a player, don't you just continue to say, no, I'm not going to do it? And then what is a buyer beware? If the player's hurt, you draft him, he ends up being hurt. If there's some kind of injury like there is with McKinstry that they didn't know about, that's something very interesting. The combine has certainly changed over the years where it used to be every player went in and did everything that was asked of them. Well, you guys do everything we ask of you. We want you to listen. We want you to call in. We want you to text in, and you do that, and we can't thank you enough. Big thanks to John Varlas, Matt Dillon, and Sam Hardiman for joining us on the program today. We're back Monday morning, starting bright and early at 7 a.m. Dave Willotion is back from Greenville, North Carolina. That was a long walk for him, but he is back, ready to go with World of One Friends on Sports 56. It is next. For Eli Savoy and for Zach Boyd, I'm Greg Gaston. Have a great weekend, everyone. Hey!